Welcome to another episode in Latin of Latin and Layman's in Latin and Layman's. Um, I did a little mess up here. I realized when I was going over uh, interrogative and uh, uh, what else, reflexive and intensive pronouns that I didn't. I haven't really gone over personal pronouns like I, me, he, she, it very much. So. That's a no-no on my part. Let's go ahead, dive into personal pronouns, understand them, what they really mean, and uh, and do a little bit of um, uh, conjugation, or rather declining of the pronouns in first, second, and third person. So, without further ado... Um, just a little shout out to all those people in Portland right now. Uh, seems a, like the weather is insanity. I've uh, Yesterday it was 116 and uh, I think it's just going to be as hot. So uh, to think that people don't think that climate change is the thing is absolutely as- absurd in my opinion. Um, without further ado though, y'all are in my thoughts. I lived there through a wildfire that sucked. I remember Portland was just inundated with smoke and this like sepia color. Um, It was just very apocalyptic, so I feel for them. Um, And with that being said, personal pronouns. So personal in grammar means relating to person. That is first, second, or third person. In English, those persons are represented by pronouns. I, you, he, she, it, we, y'all, they. These must look familiar as they are forms we've already studied in relation to verbs. Now we'll look at them independently as pronouns. So, how does Latin treat these forms? Not as verb endings, but as nouns. There is a caveat. They decline, though, through... uh, They... They decline through cases as nouns do in Latin, so you have more memorization to do. Uh, But, you know, that's the name of the game here. So remember how we studied that boy in Latin goes puer, nominative singular subject. Pueri is going to be the genitive singular of the boy. Puero is going to be the dative singular to or for the boy. Of course, you remember that. Of course, right? You better. Now we're going to study the Latin equivalent of the pronoun I and its comrades do the same. In other words, the way Latin says nominative I, genitive of me, dative to me, and so on. Uh, Pretty self-explanatory, pretty straightforward, follows the same patterns. And its second person counterpart, you, of you, to you, and third person he, she, it, his, hers, its, and so on, along with their plural counterparts that I won't beat a dead horse with or I don't know I'm I'm saying all these sayings wrong but forgive me Um, it should come as no surprise that the Latin first person singular pronoun begins ego it's where we get the word ego or ego rather so let's let's decline this pronoun together ego I me of me me he to or for me may me and then may again, which is preposition plus me, so the ablative me. And now it's second person comrade, tu, tui, tibi, te, te. And to reiterate the translations of these forms, ego means I as subject, me of me, may, so that would be spelt M-E-I of me, mihi, M-I-H-I, tu or for me, 
may, me as direct object, may, me as the object of the preposition. The same holds true for the second person singular to. But why would Latin have a singular, fo- singular form I and you at all? Especially because those pronouns are embedded in the verb, essentially, right? We've already gone, gone over this, you know. When we conjugate a verb, we're given those persons, right, that are accompanied with that verb. Why would we need to say ego when we say amo, right? So, because amo is still first person singular, um, so that would translate literally as I love. And we deo, same here, I see. By their very nature, they indicate uh, first person singular. So why would we do this? These pronoun forms like ego and to are emphatic. Um, in other words, they're used to emphasize the subject, not explain what the subject is the, the way the personal pronoun functions um, in English. So in Latin, or rather in English, we have to say we. <coughs> excuse me, if we want to indicate that we is a subject, correct? Um, But that same information is embedded in every Latin finite verb. That's why in a sentence, if there is no clear nominative subject, we look to the verb to supply our subject, i.e., I, you, etc. So the Romans didn't use their nominative personal pronouns to explain what the subject is. Rather, they used it just simply to emphasize so I want you guys to remember this that's why we're using this that's why I don't really like I don't put a lot of emphasis on pronouns like this because like I don't know I, I I'll get I'll get into it more though uh, there's a lot of um, etymological stuff that we'll we'll definitely go over because pronouns is a big one so this is going to be a long lesson my friends probably I'll skip this split it into two parts honestly because uh there's a lot to go over But without further ado, let's continue. For instance, if we said in Latin, um, we said tune, so it'd be tune amas. So tune um, would be spelled T-U-N-E, amas. And so um, as I've gone over before, I believe, and if I haven't, then you know now, in order to indicate a question, uh, and you don't have a typical question word like quid quite quad, um, uh, which are things like which, what, where, why, what, um, that, you know, inherently ask, um, you know, or they direct a question in that sentence. Uh, so if they, you put an N-E at the end of the first word in that Latin sentence, it, it um, turns it into a question. So when we have tune amat, it's actually, that whole word is, it looks like T-U-N-E, and then we have a mas. Therefore, it's going to translate as not you are in love, but rather, are you in love? Right? I'm going to make that a question. In this case, the Latin speaker would be emphasizing the subject you by including the Latin nominative personal pronoun too. There we go. I can't leave ego and two out without uh, talking a little linguistics, though. I like this kind of stuff. If it bores you, you can, uh, like, I don't know, stick your fingers in your ears for the next couple minutes or something. Um especially because personal pronouns are commonly used forms in Indo-European languages. Uh, They reveal some interesting features of the evolution of those daughter languages, which developed out of the mother tongue that Latin and English share, which is Proto-Indo-European. So originally, the Latin word ego and English word I were the same word. 
Both involved the form that looked like ego, so Latin actually changed the form of this pronoun very little, but in English, the inherited G transformed at some point into a K, which is a KH kind of sound. Um, this ended up as a form that sounded like an ik, which is uh, still the Dutch word for I, um, and then German is ik, which is I-E-C-H, and, and um, I think in Dutch it's spelled I-K, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's I-C-H as well in Dutch. English eventually dropped the K, though, lengthened the I, and we ended up with our first person singular per personal pronoun. So the same interchange between C and G can be seen in our words like cold um, and the Latin word gelerius. And that's spelled G-E-L-I-D-U-S, both from an Indo-European base that means frozen. Also, English kin and Latin gens come from a single Indo-European word that meant family. A comparable pattern of changed um, of change explains two in Latin and thou, uh, the archaic English form of you, right? Thou is spelled T-H-O-U. Um, I'm hope I hope I'm interesting you with this kind of stuff because, like in the Indo-European, uh, the T remained as T in Latin, but in English it evolved into T-H. Thus, two is thou. Um, they were once the same word, oddly enough. So you can see the same pa pattern in the word for mother. Latin has mater, English has mother. Um, and also, you know, they don't sound similar, but they do have, you know, derivatives and cognates, which are similar, right? So although mater and mother don't sound similar in English, we have things like maternity, matriarchy, uh, matrimony, all of which have a motherly presence. In fact, matrimony back in late antiquity, um, when a woman was wedded uh, and made uh, a wife, she was essentially being made a mother back then. Uh, so that's why they called it matrimony. Uh, I don't make the rules. Uh, so uh, that's just etymology. So uh, another one, though, uh, is, is tooth, where Latin has dentes, uh, English has teeth. So on... Onward to the rest of the forms. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, and it, it's, uh, it, it shows just the evolution of language and how everything is so interconnected and that you are really ignorant for thinking that Latin is a dead language. Um, lovingly, you're ignorant. The genitive forms uh, may and tui show the same I ending in second declension. No I-U-S here. There are personal pronouns, not demonstratives, and these genitive forms of the personal pronouns will have a characteristic that may seem very odd to you. They do not show possession. They sh the, or rather, the personal possessive adjectives meus and tuus perform that function. So there's no need to have another way of saying belonging to me or belonging to you other than meus and tuus, my and your. So then you're probably saying to yourself, if these forms don't show possession, how are genitive forms like mei and tui used? Um, in this case, there are other uses to indicate possession, for instance, an objective genitive. All right, you guys are learning so much today. Uh, you know, you can go home when your mom asks you what you learned today. You can tell her that you learned, you know, you learned ling 
linguistics, you learn the Proto-Indo-European and how the uh, the G transformed or the C transformed to the G and how we uh, how I and Ego were the same thing and now we know what an objective je- okay I'm sorry I'm done all right so for example love of me the little this little blurb blurb is called objective because the genitive genitive operates as the implicit implicit object of the verbal sense inside the noun so basically love of me implies someone loves me we won't beat this too much as we'll encounter forms of the genitive later on just as we will with the ablative Uh, latin likes to make use of those uh, quite widely So returning to the declension of ego and two, the dative case forms are may and tb. Not much um, I can do to help you memorize those other than to point out that they look like each other. Sorry, memorize. That's all I can say. May and te are the accusative and ablative forms of these pronouns. May, I mean, looks like me, so... That's pretty nice. May is just pronounced different than me, but it's spelled M-E. And te, well, you're just going to have to memorize that one too. Uh, do note one more thing t- uh, about these prepositions is how they operate with the preposition cum. Remember the word cum with. We went over this last time, and I guess I went over it assuming that I had already gone, o- gone over it, but I actually didn't, so now we're going to actually go over it. So cum, the preposition, remember, means with. Um, so when uh, Latin says with me, it does not say cum me. Instead, it flips it, um, you know, because we do, we, 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 we dissected what the meaning of preposition literally means, which is preposition, place before. In this case, they switched the, um, the preposition so it actually comes after the um the object so it would actually be instead of cum may it would be mecum um it's an idiom uh that's just stuff that you learn in latin um and the same is true for te so it'd be tecum which means with you so here's the plural of ego and tu nos and wos we and y'all let's just recite them super quick and we'll get it over with nos nostrum nostri We'll talk about nostri in one second. Um, nobis, nos, nobis, and second person, wos, westrum, wobis, wos, wobis. And here is how these forms translate. We, of us, to or for us, and so on. Again, as in the singular, the nominative forms are used mainly to emphasize uh, the formation of the nominative and accusative plural forms, nos and vos. And it is... Not all that irregular if you look at them as close cousins of the third declension nominative and accusative plural forms, A's, E-S. Again, like in the singular, the genitive forms do not show possession. No stare and west stare. Uh, the personal possessive adjectives, meaning our and y'alls, are used to show possession for these forms. But the plural exhibits an interesting difference um, from the singular. Instead of having only one form of the genitive, which is used both as a partitive and objective genitive, partitive genitive is an example of a partitive would be um, 
the wheel of a car, the uh, roof of a house, right? Part of a whole, you know, the, it's, uh, the wheel is just part of the whole, which is a car. I'll move on. Nostrum and Westrum are used as partitive genitives. So, for example, some of us or most of y'all and Nostri and Westry are used as objective genitives. For example, their love of us and his betrayal of y'all. So it's a distinction in formation that really doesn't matter until you learn these uses of genitive much further down the road. Um, So uh, the ablative... And dative forms, uh, or the date of an ablative, rather, in uh, that order would be nobis and wobis, bear a, um, a vague resemblance to the third declension dative and ablative plural endings, ibus, which should help a little memorizing. They also behave in that idiomatic po- post-positive way that me and may and tay do. Um, when they are joined with the preposition cum, they preceded, and the two are written as a single word, nobiscum and wobiscum, meaning with us and with y'all. And we are back. Thanks for sticking with me. So now let's look at the third person pronouns, is, ea, and id. The Romans really had no equivalent to the English he, she, it, or in the plural they. Where we would use these third person plural pronouns, the Romans used their weak demonstrative adjectives, is, ea, id, meaning this or that, and in its substantive, some, blah, blah, blah. And in its substantive, oh my goodness, Liam, it's more there, substantive, there we go, since this, that man, woman, thing, you remember substantive adjectives, right? You're probably saying to yourself, wait, haven't we learned, um, you know, words like this and that in Latin, like hic and eli, um, so yes, yes, we have. In fact, we learned another one, iste, meaning that, right? That very strong demonstrative sense. Is ea id completes the third side of this triangle. It's the weakest of the three demonstrative pronouns in Latin. Taken in order, is ea id shows very weak pointing, but still means this and that. He can ile show medium level pointing and iste has that strongest demonstrative sense accounting to condemnation you remember uh the the thing that my professor passed down to me that i passed down to y'all which is iste would be that girl something you know just like uh, condemning whatever anyways here is the singular of is ea and it singular is ea it as is is which is spelled e-i-u-s and then in the dative singular, ae, 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 accusative, aum, aum, ae, or id, rather, id, and in the ablative, ao, aa, and ao. In the plural, we have ae, ai, aa, aorum, 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 aes, 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 aos, aas, aa, and aes, aes, aes. First, let's look at the left hand call. 
column. Well, you're not looking at the left-hand column, but look at it in your mind. You've got the singular on the left, and you've got the plural on the, on the right. Just as before, whenever I, you know, go over these uh, declension tables. Here we see is and il, translated as a pronoun in the singular. He, she, it. Note that unlike the personal pronouns, the genitive singular of this form, as, can show possession. Show... Uh, So, we have, we're looking at is, ea, id. Note that unlike the personal pronouns, the genitive singular of this form, eus, which can show possession. So, eus can mean his, hers, and its, depending on its gender and context. We will also see that this is true for the plural aorum, aorum, uh, which means there, as in belonging to them. And to seal the case, that is a is, ea, id is really a demonstrative, not a personal pronoun. The irregularity we saw with the preposition cum, where may, te, nobis, and wobis all precede the preposition cum, creating me cum, te cum, ne, nobis cum, and wobis cum. None of that applies to is, a, and id, which puts the cum where it should be in front of their ablative forms, ao and ea, producing cum ao, cum ea, cum ao, um, which means with him, with her, with it. Um, what you would expect of a normal prepositional phrase. That's nice. This also applies to the plural, cum eis, meaning with them. As of to, or as a, hmm, unscrambling that in my head, as typical of irregular forms, the plural is regular where the singular is not. Simply take the base E, add first, second declension endings with no mandatory long marks, and you have the plural of the weak demonstrative meaning these and those, or as a pronoun, they, their, to them, and so on. Besides serving as a weak demonstrative and the closest thing they, the ancient Romans had to uh, third-person personal pronouns, is, ea, it was used by the Romans in conjunction with the suffix dem to create idem, eadem, idem, the Latin word meaning the same, like identical. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll start throwing in those little derivatives here and there for, to help you uh, remember in fact, it actually comes from the English word identical. So we have idem, eadem, idem, eustem, 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 eidem, 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 eundem, eandem, idem, eodem, eadem, eodem. A lot of mouthful. I can't believe I still have to, or I still make myself recite all this stuff for you guys. You know what? If you haven't left me a review, I'm going to find you and I'm going to punch you in the face. That is, only five-star reviews are allowed. Five-star club only. It should be instantly apparent to you that the that something is happening in this word which is foreign to the way Latin normally does its business. Um, because of the suffix at the end of the word, the case endings which normally come at the end come in the middle of this word. Maybe they should call be called middlings? How do you like that? 
This was no minor annoyance to the ancient Romans who were used to listening to the end of a word for the signals, which told them how that word functioned in the sentence, right? So there are simply very few words, very few rather. Besides that, as the suffix ran into different endings, the collisions of sounds could cause irregularities, which only exacerbated the problem. So the first problem comes right at the first. The first, the, the, or rather the masculine nominative singular, whereas um, east runs into dem and contracts to edem. When the neuter nominative e, i, or id, id, does the same, it contracts to edem. Thus, the long mark on the i is edem. Uh, the i, rather. Uh, the, the masculine nominative singular form is mandatory. Uh, the accusative singular features another irregularity caused by appending dem to the end of is, ea, and id. Attaching dem to the end of eum, the accusative singular masculine form of is, ea, id, produces a constant, rather, I'm sorry, a consonant cluster, md, md, which is almost always changed to the more pronounceable nd, um, nd. Um, the same will happen in the accusative singular feminine, where aamdem will turn to aandem, right? So as expected, there's another long, mandatory long mark here. The ablative singular feminine, aadem, which distinguishes this form from the nominative singular feminine. And, well, let's look at the plural real quick. There's one manor, my, meaner there is one minor irregularity in the genitive plural. Aorimdom will become aorimdom. Gosh, that's a mouthful for me, sorry. For the same reason that the accusative singular is affected, the genitive plural feminine, aorimdom, becomes aorimdom. So now, I'm going to give you an English sentence with a word... Um, Well, how would I do that, actually? How about, let's just look, let's look at a sentence together, okay? Let's just, let's just do that. I'm not going to make you visualize anything because that's hard. Podcasts can be hard for that reason, so I need to create a visual platform to accompany. Sentence, here we go. She gave me everything I needed. So, that's the first person singular, right? What pronoun does Latin use for the first person singular Ego, right? So, and how is may functioning in this sentence, right? So she gave, gave me everything I needed. So how is me fun- functioning in this sentence? She gave me the indirect object. The case is the indirect object, or what case is the indirect object, rather? Um, hopefully you said dative, in which case you are correct. Therefore, the correct form of the pronoun would be mihi, right? M-I-H-I, mihi. Next sentence, we've got the author of this book is right here. In this case, let's use hick, hike, cock. Um, the first question you ask yourself is this. Is this for this book, remember of this book, the author of this book, is it functioning as a pronoun or as an adjective? So of this book. In other words, does this have something to modify? Well, in this case, it does. It modifies book. Therefore, hick, hike, cock will get its number, gender, and case from book. Right? 
what case and number would book be if this sentence were Latin? Uh, in this case, it would be genitive singular. I'm hoping you said that, and if you didn't, um, shame. And what gen- gender is the word, um, or I'm sorry, I totally sp- skipped over something. Um, so we're looking at book, right? So what case and number would book be if this uh, sentence were in Latin, right? So of this book, of this book, what does that sound like? It sounds like genitive singular showing possession. So what is the gender of the word book in Latin? So it's liber libri, right? So that's masculine. Therefore, the correct form of hic hoc is going to be huius, which is H-U-I-U-S. In fact, genitive singular is pretty nice because it's just huius all across the board in the masculine, feminine, and neuter. So let's do another sentence. Everyone admires her. Let's use is, ea, and it. What number and gender is her? I would say feminine singular. Would you agree? I hope so. Um, How is her functioning in this sentence? It's the direct object. What case is the direct object in Latin? Accusative. Hope I'm drilling in a lot of things that maybe you had forgotten or have not yet thought to memorize um, a little bit more. Um, If you're asking yourself what an, an accusative is, you better go back and listen to all my podcasts again and support me and spread the word. Anyways, um, so let me remember my train of thought. Accusative, right. So what is the accusative singular feminine of is, ea, and it? Aam. So I won't bore, or I won't like drill these to uh, a pulp with you guys but I'll do a few more example sentences and then um, and then we'll call it quits for the day so I thank you guys for sticking with me for this longer episode <clears throat> so everyone admires her courage her again and we'll use is ea id uh, too but notice that here her is functioning in a very different way it shows possession what case in Latin shows possession that's right, the genitive. And her is again what gender and number? Feminine singular. But this sentence involves an important rule you should re- remember. That to show possession with first or second person personal pronouns, Latin uses meus tuus no stare wester. But there is no such personal pro- possessive adjective for regular third person pronouns. You have to use the genitive of one of the demonstrative forms. So what is the genitive fo- singular feminine of, of is, ea, and id? If you have, um, you know, a chart out in front of you, uh, you would know that it's eus. Almost botched that. E-I-U-S. Don't forget the, the archaic genitive singular ending I-U-S, which shows up in the declension of a number of... Or, well, it, rather, it shows up in a, a number of demonstrative pronouns. So, let me think of one more that we could do. Let's do one with uh, East Day. So, how about, um, how about, let's do that. Nothing excuses that. 
That sounds pretty negative to me. Let's go with East Day, Easta, and Easton, like I said before. Is that singular or plural? Singular. And what gender is that? Neuter. How does it function in its sentence? It's the direct object. So it should be what case? Direct object? Do you guys remember? If you don't remember, you're going to be listening to all those podcasts again, probably, hopefully, maybe, and or reviewing. Direct object equals accusative. That's the $10 term for direct object there. If anything, you guys should memorize these words so that you can just whip them out at like a cocktail party and dazzle all of uh, your, your friends and uh, coworkers. I don't know. Uh, yeah, dazzle them. Hypnotize them. Hypnotize them with your wonderful vocabulary and eloquent speech. Alrighty, let's do... Well, okay, we're going back to East Day, right? So, um, is that singular or plural? Um, if I didn't say it before, it's singular, right? And what gender is that? Well, that is going to be neuter. So how does it function in its sentence? It's the direct object. So remember, oh, you know what? I went over all of this. So what is the accusative singular neuter of iste esta stood? That's right. It's stood. Neuter nominatives and accusative, accusatives are always the same. Love that little pattern for us. Well, you know what? I think that's plenty of examples. I think that's plenty of practicing. And I think we have done a great job for today. So I appreciate you guys all. Again, uh, just a little friendly reminder to go ahead, download Apple Podcasts onto your uh, iPhone and or, um, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, go look up Latin and Layman. Scroll down to the bottom. Leave me a five-star review. I would love and appreciate if you did that. Um and, uh, and yeah, you know, uh, Tempest Estes Have a nice weekend, everybody. Stay safe.